Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for your presence in this place. God, may that be the cry of our heart every day of the week, every moment of every day, Lord, that we want your fire. We want your Holy Spirit to fill us and renew us, Lord, to change the way we think, to change the way we feel, to change our perception of the world, and Lord, to change us more into the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, it is by you and through you that all things exist and hold together. And Lord, we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that we want to see heaven come to earth. Lord, and we praise you and we thank you that you invite us to be a part of that journey and to be a part of that renovation. God, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. And... Yeah, so if you are going to Costa Rica, there is that meeting after church today. I think it's going to be awesome and great. Uh, we just need to clarify a few things. Um, and so, anyway, grab that cord. <laughs> All right, well, we are going to pick up where we left off before Easter. And if you remember before Easter, we were t- we've been talking about uh, our spiritual armor, spiritual warfare, and we've been talking about um, we talked about the helmet of salvation, and you can go ahead, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. We're going to cover it this week, and then probably the following week, and maybe the next week, and we'll wrap this series up. But in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it's been traditionally taught that Paul kind of ends the spiritual spiritual armor in verse 17, but he actually doesn't. He goes on in verse 18. He just doesn't mention the weapon. Um, And so we'll talk about verse 18 next week and what weapon prayer really is and what it represents on the Roman soldier. But in verse 17, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you've you've heard me say over and over again, uh, right, that a lot of times this passage has been interpreted to mean that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And, and what, what pastors do, what preachers do, will say, well, the, the Bible is the Word of God. And yes, it is. And so they'll me- immediately say, well, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. But in the Greek, it doesn't say that. And so we'll dive into that here in a minute. And I've already shared that with you a few weeks ago. But the sword that Paul is talking about here is the Makar... Machaira sword, M-A-C-H-A-I-R-A, Machaira sword. It is a sword that was attached to the loin belt. It was attached to the loin belt. And you remember the belt, right? It holds everything together on the Roman soldier. It holds in the breastplate of righteousness. It keeps everything together. And if you were a right-handed sold, if you were a right-handed soldier, then the sword would have been on your left hip to reach across, grab, and you could slash across as you pull out, or you could grab it, and it's already in an underhand motion, the Makaira. So when you grab this sword, it's already, un- it's already an underhand thrust, right? I'm not grabbing here. If I grab it here, then it's a downward thrust. Now, that's the difference. Why? Because the breastplate, the breastplate if I'm fighting in a war, the, breast- the enemy's breastplate is going to come up to here, and he's got a helmet on. It does me no good to come down. Where's the hole? The hole's right here. And so if I grab here, I'm already thrusting up, and I can already thrust up and in. 
I can come out, come across, come across the stomach. Now, I don't mean to, I don't want to get too vivid or too graphic, but this is what a Roman soldier's trained to do, right? He grabs and then comes up and in. And there's a, there's a reason for that. The Machaira sword is somewhere between a very long knife and a very short sword. It's anywhere from 24 to 30 inches long. It is, it is razor sharp on both edges. It's a double-edged sword. There were swords in the day that were sharp on one edge, and then the other edge was very blunt, and so it would be used to whack somebody over the head, <laughs> whack somebody over the head right? Like, hey, knock it out, dummy. Um, so maybe if you have kids, sometimes you wish you had one of those. Um, or your coworker, right? Uh, no, the Makaira sword was, was sharp on both edges, very razor, razor, razor sharp on both edges. Um, and by the time a Roman soldier is using the Machaira sword, they've already entered hand-to-hand combat. And we've talked about Roman soldiers. We've talked about combat from a Roman soldier or a Greek soldier perspective, right? If you've seen the 300 or Spartans or whatever, right? They're, they're wiping out as many enemies as possible from a distance, right? With these, air, We talked about the flaming arrows, right? It's basically chemical warfare arrow shaft. It's got chemicals in it so that when it hits, it releases chemicals and then they come in with a second round of arrows and light it all on fire. And so they were fighting with chemical warfare, the Romans were, in their arrows. And so they wipe out as many as they can from a distance. And then by the time they get to the sword, we're no longer shooting arrows or flinging catapult rocks or anything like that. We are now hand-to-hand combat. And he talked about the shoes of peace, right? Three-inch cleats. That if I knock my if I knock my enemy to the ground, I can step on their necks and crush everything in their neck with my three-inch metal cleats as a soldier. And so, by the time they they're hand-to-hand combat, they're fighting. It's close. It's tough. It's gritty at this point, right? Now you're to the point where only the strong survive. Those that are well trained survive. And you remember that that they were told. You either win or you don't come home. You don't, you, there is no losing here. If, if, if you come home, you had better win or we will be the ones to kill you. This was the seriousness of being a soldier in the Roman army. This is why they were so powerful, right? They were trained to kill. They were killing machines. And everything about their armor was a killing machine. And so this was close to hand, hand-to-hand combat. It's very interesting then that Paul does not use the Greek word logos, L-O-G-O, logo, for you Lord of the Ring fans is where we get Legolas. Anyway, that's a whole different discussion. But now you know, right? See, my brother knows. All right, so <laughs> that L-O-G-O in the Greek is, means written word. It's the written word. It literally means the belt is the Bible, the written word. This word for this word is rhema, R-H-E-M-A, rhema. And it means spoken word, right? There's two different types of words. There's a book you read, that's logos, that's what's written. And then there's rhema, you're hearing my voice. So Paul would say, well, Tyson, rhema, Tyson speaking the word. And rhema literally means, not only is it spoken, but it's vivid, it's understandable, and it's plain, it's clear. Last night, I had the privilege of helping Valet Park at prom, 
And one of the things that I did is I went down the street and I explained to the cars as they were coming in, here's what's going to happen. You're going to pull around. You're going to park your car in front of the garage. You're going to get out and leave your key in the car. We're going to give you a tag with a number on it. After the dance, you bring that tag back. And then you get your keys back. No tag, no keys. And there were some of them that I was hoping they wouldn't bring their keys back because I could park their car in my driveway. <laughs> right? In fact, I told some of them, I said, if you don't bring that tag back, you'll find your vehicle in my driveway. So I hope you know where I, where I live. Actually, I hope you don't because I want your car. But that's a whole different story. And I tried to make it what? I tried to make it Rama. I tried to make it very plain, very succinct, right? Because these are high school students, right? With modern technology whose attention span is about 10 seconds. Just laugh, okay? <laughs> All right. So my point is this. You make it very vivid, very clear. Yes, I botched it up a few times. I actually told somebody, I said, okay, listen, you're going to get a number with a tag, and they just stared at me like, I'm getting a number? Where's this number at? And so that was not Rama. That was not clear and vivid. It wasn't, I just botched it up badly. So Rama, a Rama word, as Paul says here, is, is very vivid. It's very clear. It's very decisive. And it's, a, and it's very, very obvious what's being said. This is what we need to understand. This is what Paul's saying. The spoken word of God is quick clean and decisive. It's effective in close combat. This is what Paul's saying. When you get a word from the Lord, it's quick, it's decisive, it's vivid, and you know immediately, I need to be doing this. I need to jump on this. I need to move. I need to act. This was the point. And Paul says, you get that sword in that close combat. Listen, you need, when you're in close combat with the enemy and you know you're being assaulted by evil, you need something quick, something vivid, something clear, and you got to move on it. You know if you've ever been in combat with something that is darkness and evil, you don't him haul around with that. What did, you, what did the disciples, when they came back, in the Gospels, the disciples came back and said, you won't believe what happened. You gave us power over demons, and we cast out demons and Jesus is like, so what? I kicked Satan out of heaven. I saw him fall like lightning. The fall of Satan was quick and decisive, right? This is the word of the Lord. This is the spoken word of the Lord. How many of you, just out of show of hands, let me, how many of you have actually had a word from God in a moment? You needed it. And yeah, and it just came. Right. It just came like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? It was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It was the Holy Spirit speaking. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. John 14, 26, talking to his disciples. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He says, when you get into the pinch, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, guys, listen, they're going to bring you to trial. When I leave this earth, they're going to bring you to trial. They're going to take you before judges. They're going to persecute you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to mock your faith. They're going to make fun of you. And Jesus says, don't worry. Because they were like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to say? Anybody had one of those moments? Like, what am I going to say? How am I going to defend myself? And Jesus says, don't worry about it. When the time is right, the advocate, the Holy Spirit inside of you will tell you what to say. He will give you the words. He will speak for me to you, and then you speak that. 
in that courtroom. You speak that in that meeting. You speak that in that conversation. You just say it. This is rhema. God gives you a word in due season, and it's immediate, and it's vivid, and it's clear, and you just need to say it. I don't know if I should say that. Because I'm going to tell you what, a lot of times the things that God gives me, the things that God gives me to say to people sometimes is like, really, God? I really, I don't know. But what? But Paul says this is a makara. This is short. This is quick. This is fast. Right? This is what this is. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will remind you of what God has said in the moment you need it. Now, when this happens, when this happens in your walk with God in that meeting, maybe you're at Thanksgiving or Christmas, and you're like, I just can't say that. But you keep feeling a prompting to say it. I need to say it. I need to say it. I need to say it. And you know it's in love, right? I mean, this isn't like you're being a jerk. The Holy Spirit is not a jerk, okay? He's not going to make you be a jerk. He's going to have you say something in love and in kindness for the benefit of that person. And you're struggling, I don't know if I should say it. You need, you need to say it. But here's what I want you to understand. When that comes, remember what we said when we talked about the loin belt, that everything is attached to the belt. With the Roman soldier, everything can be attached to the belt. The sword is attached to the rhema word of God is attached to the spoken word of God. That when you grab that Makaira and you rip that out and the Holy Spirit says, I need to say this, it should have its basis in this. You should be able to say, okay, I feel like I need to say this. Now, does this line up with Scripture? Does this line up with what the Bible says? If it does, then I need to use this thing in love because I care about them, because I love them, or because I love this business, or I, I care about whatever's happening at the moment. The Holy Spirit's given me this. And so I'm going to very quickly take what I've just heard in my head. It probably will sound like your own voice. And that's why sometimes we're like, is that God or is that me? Because that sounded like me. Like you expect to hear when God speaks to you in your mind, you expect to hear like this thundering waterfall, thunderous voice, right? Tyson right? Like, Moses, I'm on the mountain. And you, like you expect to be drifted away into a cave with Yoda somewhere. That's not how this works, okay? It works. It's very clear. And sometimes it will sound like you. But something happens when God speaks to you. Did you have a peace right down here? I can't explain it. It's like, that was God. I need to say it. And you just know. You just know. You just no, but you know then when you get that, that you line that up to the Word of God, and does the Bible confirm this? This is why it's so important to know the Bible, to understand Scripture, to have the Bible passages memorized, because then you can go, oh, wait a minute, yeah, it says in Proverbs, or it says in First Samuel, or it says in Genesis, or it says in Revelation, or Ephesians, they are bringing down the house, right? You can then, yes, you can, kids are awesome, right? Can we just, they are so you can then line that up with the Bible and go, yep, that's God. That's God. In a moment's notice, you can line it up. You can line that up with the written. You can take the spoken word of God, line it up to the written word of God, and then you know you need to speak it in that moment. Okay? A spoken word from God will always have an attachment to the written word of God. Always. 
If you get a spoken word in your head, like, I need to say this, but it doesn't align with Scripture, then check it. Because it's either you and your emotions, or it's the enemy trying to create confusion and cause problems. It's one of the two. Okay? It's one of the two. So how many of you, just as a show of hands, how many of you have ever just been reading the Bible, and you had a verse just leap off the page at you? Not literally. Yes, a lot of you. Like, it's just like, oh my gosh, I needed that. I needed that for that moment. I had no idea that was in the Bible. That's rhema. God just spoke to you very clearly from the written word. Okay? Um, have you ever been in a situation and a passage just springs into your mind? Let me see your hand. Yes, that's rhema. That's the sword of the spirit, as Paul says. Okay? That's very quick. It, it, it's that quick reminder. When we're talking about this sword... I really am going to botch this Roman, Roman's dude. I'm going to botch his name up. Um, but his name was Publius Vegetus. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't, hey, look, the truth is stranger than fiction. His real name is P-U-B-L-I-U-S. His last name is Vegetus, V-E-G-E-T-I-U-S. Now, you're going to laugh. What you don't know about Vegetus I'll use his last name. What you don't know about Vegetus is this. He wrote the most influential book on warfare in the Western world. And that book on warfare was used from about 400 A.D. until about 1500 A.D. That book on warfare was used for 1,100 years and influenced the way war was done in the Western world for 1,100 years. So he was a Roman historian and a writer. This is what he wrote about the type of sword that Paul's referencing. Now, now think about what he's saying about the sword in reference to a rhema spoken word of God. He says this. A stroke with the edges, though, made with ever so much force, seldom kills as the vital parts of the body are defended by both the bones and the armor. On the contrary, a stab, though it penetrates but two inches, is generally fatal. So what is he saying? He says, listen, I can take this makara, double-edged, razor sharp, and I can slice, and it'll do damage. But if I jab, and it only goes even barely two inches, it's fatal. This tells me something about the word of God. You don't just fling it around, hoping devil get out of my house. It's a direct boom, and it doesn't take but one verse or two verses, and it's quick, and the enemy has to flee. He can't stand. But if you're just flinging verses around because you don't know your Bible and you don't know how to use it, what happens in battle if we're in close combat, right? If you've ever seen these old these movies about these old fights, right? And they're all so close in proximity, like the person you're sitting next to, and I'm just flailing my sword around. I'm going to start cutting other people. And this happens in the church all the time. Christians cut other people with the word all the time. But what if I take it and I rip it out and I quickly up, and it only goes two inches, it's fatal. If I direct the word of God towards my problem, if I direct the word of God towards my work, and if I direct the word of God towards my situation, it's quick and it's lethal. This is what Paul's saying. This is why a spoken word of God is so important, so vital. 
we don't need to take large sweeping verses at our enemy. We need a quick jab at the right time, at the right moment with the word of God. So when that thought comes in your mind, it's a quick, it's a, it's a quick Bible verse to counter that thought that just came in your mind. If that person says something to you, it's a quick Bible verse of whack, counter what was said. Because there's power in words. How did God create the universe? With his words. Life is destroyed or made, right? Doesn't the Bible say that life and death are in the power of the tongue? So if somebody's going to say something to you that disagrees with you, then you, you pull out the sword and you say, no, I'm speaking this instead. And it's a quick jab. That's it. And you're going about your business. Why? Because as Vegetus said, if it's just even two inches deep, it's lethal because of the way the sword is designed. That's what we do, and that's how we handle the Word of God. We don't take the Word of God and just fling it around in battle because you cut other people. You're very specific and very direct. A specific word of the Lord, listen, a specific word from God does not have to be long, right? It, does not, it can be short, like half a sentence, and it will alter and change your world. It will change everything. What if you're, what if you're, this happened to me, right? I'm pumping gas. I go up to pay cash and I'm checking, I'm paying this guy get, uh, cash and suddenly I hear, tell him I love him. I'm like, okay, that's just weird. But what do I got to do? God told me to. I don't have an option. I don't care how weird and awkward it is to look at some other dude behind the counter who looks like he's like got an ankle bracelet and just got off, you know, out of prison. I'm like, hey man, God just wants you to know he loves you. And here's the thing. I want, you to, I want to be able to tell you that like, he broke down and cried, and I, he got saved right there, but he, that, none of that happened. He just looked at me like dumbfounded and went, okay, thanks. I don't know. I, I just do what God tells me to do and say what God tells me to say. So what do I do? Well, do people need... So I get that word, and I say, okay, well, then does the Bible say I'm supposed to tell them God loves them? Yeah. Psalm 71, 15 through 16 says that we should be telling people that God loves them. Or what about this? What if you're checking out and God says, hey, pay for the person's groceries behind you? Well, guess what? 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. Does, it doesn't specifically say pay for their asparagus, but it does say, some of you are like, oh, I don't like asparagus. All right, well, Twinkies, whatever it is for you. Right? It does say show God's love to other people. And maybe for them, that's what you need to do. Maybe you're trying to grow your business or you're trying to figure out, you're trying to uh, get the word out about something. Proverbs 15.22, right, says, hey, use your network. You have a network of friends. And suddenly you're praying, God, what should I, what should I do? And you get this word, use your network. And that's it. And that's all you get. Proverbs 15.22, use your network, right? Your friends, your connections, use it. All it takes is a quick word from God. Listen, Joseph received a personal word from God about his future in two dreams in Genesis 37, 6 through 9. Not Joseph, the father of Jesus. Joseph, the Old Testament patriarch, right? In two dreams, he got a rhema from God, and it changed his life. And now we have a whole group of people, right, called Jews that trace their roots back to Joseph, 
and the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 people groups of the Jewish people all trace back to Joseph in these two dreams. Two rhema spoken word from God, jo Joseph changes human history and human culture. Moses got his message while he was feeding sheep. Good news for all you farmers. God can speak to you while you're feeding the animals. And God spoke to Moses while he was tending sheep in Exodus chapter 3. Moses had been taking care of his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years before God ever says, hey, I'm going to use you to deliver these people. Can you imagine? I was supposed to be the next ruler of the world's superpower, and now I'm out here in the desert taking care of my father-in-law's sheep. I, I'm a complete loser. I was supposed to be Pharaoh. I was supposed to be the next president. I was supposed to be the most powerful man in the world with the world's strongest army, and now I'm feeding sheep in the desert. And yet one word from God changed the last 80 years of Moses' life. You realize he was 80 years old before he ever got on mission. Some of you are like 55 and 40 trying to figure out what am I going to do with the rest of my life. Moses was 80 going, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? And God says, come over to this bush and let me tell you. Right? So there's hope. I don't care if you're 70. There's hope. There's still hope. Paul had a word from God at a conversation in Acts 9, 4 through 6. He had a rainbow word from God. Paul also received a specific word from God about his ministry in Rome in Acts 23, verse 11. Those two verses, again, for those of you who are taking notes, Acts 9, 4 through 6, and Acts 23, verse 11, right? What did, Je what did Jesus do in the wilderness? After Jesus was baptized and came up, what did he do? He went out into the desert, into the wilderness for 40 days. And for 40 days, he prayed and he fasted for 40 days. And then it says at the end of those 40 days, when his body was worn down, he was starving, he was hungry. Let me tell you something about your enemy. He knows the opportune time to attack. So when Jesus is completely, as a man, physically wore down, Satan shows up and says, hey, I know you're hungry. Turn those, turn those stones. If you're really God, this is also a tactic of the enemy. He's, he gets you to ask questions. Well, if there's really a God, well, if there's really this. And so he looks at Jesus and goes, hey, if you're really God's son and you've got that much power, turn all these rocks to bread because I know you haven't eaten for 40 days and you're hungry. And what's Jesus do? He ramas, he pulls out the sword, and he says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jab. Amen. Satan comes back. And three times Satan comes back, right? He comes back, and every time Jesus pulls out the word, speaks it, jab, Satan leaves. This is how close combat with the enemy works. This is why you have to know your Bible, because in that moment, you've got the passage, you've got the word of God in you. You can use it to say, get that thought out of my head. Get, get that word out of my head. Get, get, move out, right? So in closing, I just want to share a true story with you as we close and wrap this up. I want to uh, share with you, there's a friend of mine, and he, was, he had muscular dystrophy, right? And he struggled. He really, really struggled. And he was obviously worried about his life and what's going on. And one day he was, he was in his wheelchair and he was going through his kitchen. 
and his, his wife chews gum. And she had handed him a piece of gum as he was going through the kitchen, and he looks down at it, and the wrapper on the gum is carefree. It was his rhema from God. And he said it was God speaking to him, saying, despite your muscular dystrophy and despite where this is going, be carefree. And I can tell you that that gum wrapper was on the fridge until the day he died. He just passed away a month ago. I had to speak at his funeral, and it wasn't easy. But to this day, I will always remember Malcolm and the carefree gum. That in that moment, that was God's voice saying, despite your condition, be carefree. I got this. And then it resonated, Psalm 118, verse 5, John 8, 36, Galatians 5, 1. I could go on and on and on about all of the Bible passages that tell us to be carefree, not to worry. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. We're going to pray and close out. We're not going to close with a song, but if you're here this morning, I'm going to have Aaron and Josh come up here, and as we close out, if you've got stuff on your mind that you need prayer about, you need prayer for, you need a, you need a, you need a rhema from God for a situation, you need a rhema from God for a family member or work or whatever that is, they're going to pray with you that you will receive that rhema, that spoken word of God, that one spoken word of God that will change everything. Amen? Let me pray and dismiss, and then you can come forward. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you love us enough, not just to give us the Bible that's a written word, but you love us enough to have a conversation with us, to give us a rhema, a spoken word of God. That in the right moment, at the right time, as Jesus said, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. God, we can rest assured. And like my friend Malcolm, we can be carefree, knowing that when we get in close combat with the enemy, you will give us a rhema, a spoken word of how to handle a negotiation, how to handle our children and their grades, how to handle whatever, Lord. You will speak to us in that moment. I praise you and I thank you for this. I think you're going to watch over us over us this week. Keep us safe. Bring us back next week as we continue our series over the next two weeks. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. amen.